Sponsored by the Dunleary Ratdown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye with Joe Dalton and Simon Haig. Yes, folks, and welcome to another show of Business Eye. The last time we had a lockdown, we went deep into Dundrome and we spoke to Airfield and what they were doing for the community. And this time round, I decided to step outside of the pale. Let's go into the heart of Wicklow, to a little town, village, I like to call Tinnahealy. And for me, it is home as well. And in that, there is a beautiful, wonderful place called Tinnahealy Farm Shop. And with me today, we have one of the owners, Rebecca, who's going to just tell us how they are coping in rural Ireland with lockdown. You know, we all are all making some strange decisions at the moment with lockdown, diversifying our businesses. But for yourselves, you know, you have, when I talk about it, a farm shop. It's more than a farm shop. You have a play area for children. You have animals that people can go and visit. It's like Glenrow come airfield. There's so much to do here. It's not only a shop, it's a day out. So tell me, before we get into that, how did it all start? How did the idea arrive? Um, well, Joe, it all started one day. We were My husband and I were talking, Philip, and um, we were talking and I discovered that we were milking cows at a loss. We weren't getting what we should have been getting from the um, from the creamery, and so we decided to. Uh, I decided to start selling raw milk from the gate, and I was able to triple the price that I was getting from the creameries. And I had little pails, and people used to come to the uh, little shop. It was an honesty box shop, and fill their cans of milk, and off they would go, and they put the money in the box. So that's how it really started. And then we started growing vegetables and I'd make uh, five pots of jam or ten pots of jam and I would leave them out beside the fridge for the milk and they would go as well and people would put money in the pot as well. How many years ago was that? That is nine years ago. So that was nine years ago. And how did you start? Place is vast. You know, I want people from Dublin when we get out of lockdown and they get out of all, they're sick of walking the the five-mile loop to jump in the car and travel down here and how many acres is it? Um, We have 36 acres underneath us and then we have sheds that were our restaurant for example is now where we feed people it was where we used to feed our cows it was the feeding pastures for the cows and this is where we are now and this is exactly where we're sitting Uh, actually where we're sitting the tractor used to drive up and down here so basically we had a, a little idea but the little idea kept rolling and expanding it really wasn't meant to turn out like this as we thought in the initial stages, but it has turned out like this. And we could really say we're 95% recycled. Our chairs, our antiques, our vintage tables. So It has a lovely feel when you walk into the place. Um, you know, my wife loves it. Um, being a nutritionist as well, you know, the stuff that you have here on display, the stuff that you can purchase as well, and the kids love going down and seeing the animals. I think we had to drag uh, one of our youngest who was feeding grass, we we're sorry to say, to your goat for about two hours yeah. before we, we, we had to pull her away. But lockdown, thriving business, you know, a lot of work in it comes into it. I say the first couple of years is very scary for yourself because we know in any any business 
you know, the first three, five years is terrifying. Entrepreneurs, you know, we say we sleep like babies. We wake up every three hours, you know, so. I'd say we wake up every two hours, but I'm a bad sleeper. But it was and it is still very scary. Um, but the most important thing that we felt in the first lockdown was to make sure we kept our name out there. That's all we had to try to do. And we did that by putting a fabulous cart that we made. Archie and Philip made the cart and we put it at the gate and we opened an honesty box shop. Now, the honesty box shop started with just, you know, scones and bread and jams. But then suddenly people were uh, looking for olive oil. They were looking for beautiful meats. They were looking for our pizzas. Um, organic salad leaves so it started to grow so basically we had a mini shop at the gate it's interesting because lockdown number one came and like an entrepreneur and a business owner you have to ask questions and you have to ask the right type of questions and for yourselves it was how are we going to survive you then probably pulled out of your bank of memory how you started this business which was out the front yeah. You redeveloped that and you created then an honesty box outside. Yeah. Which, you know, we picked up pizzas from within the last lockdown. We got all the different other ingredients that we needed. It was really, really a great idea. And I think it was welcome to so many people as well. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was a super idea and it still is. And I think it's to put your trust into people. Um, you know, you have to put your trust back into people that they will put the right money in the box. Or some evenings we would have more money in the box than we should have because maybe someone didn't have change or they just put it in. But it's to trust people. Yeah, I think it's an element of trust because we pick stuff up on Sunday and my wife said to me, "You, oh, we owe them one euro fifty, and I says, I must give it to them. So any time we pick something up, if we don't have the right change, and if, it's, if we have more, we throw it in yeah. as well. So yeah. that's really what makes a difference, isn't it? About a community and about, it's trust, isn't it? Yeah. You know, what I love as well is that you can leave your bikes outside your house here. You know, you can. I love that the wellies are outside the house and you don't lock your car at night because there's trust in the element yeah. in it. What is it? A population of 1,000 plus people. I was speaking to a guard the other day and he said Tinnahealy is one of the last rural places in Ireland that people actually stop and talk to the police. That's right. And, you know, they always wave to you as well. So it's great. Uh, you know, we're lucky we live across the road from actually the Garda station here. But it is quite funny to see a guard waving to you or, you know, stopping to say hello or yeah. how are you. It's wonderful, actually. And it is a wonderful community that we have here. Um, and there's beautiful businesses here in the village. And, you know, we need to all support each other and um, look out for each other. And, and that's it, because one of the things I notice about the community as well, that... We are always aware when someone or something is happening that it isn't familiar within the community. And that's not like everybody's, you know, court and twitching. It means that it's safe that everybody is watching out for everybody yeah. all the time. So going back to the, the shop and the farm, your ideas, do you keep on, you know, like at the moment with lockdown, you had the honesty box, okay, which was wonderful. But you also then... Start looking at helping all your suppliers. When I was speaking to Airfield, and you know Airfield, yes, they closed uh, down. Yeah. What they did, because they were growing their own veg and they had suppliers, they start then putting boxes together. 
where people then could order online and pick the boxes up of veg and all the d- different other products that they had. Used did the same thing, or doing the same um, thing to help the local suppliers as well. Yeah, that's right. We've, we've brought Neighbour Food, um, neighbourfood.ie forward slash Tinnahili to actually Tinnahili here. It was an organisation that started originally in Cork, and now it's all throughout Ireland. And it is basically a farmer's market online. So on our Tinnahili, um, Tinnahili Neighbour Food Tinnahili, we have um, 21 or 22 suppliers selling over 890 products. And you're able to look at it all week and then on a Tuesday night you must have your order in and you collect here in your basket on a Thursday. So we've anything from organic salad leaves, lovely meat from the village, vegetables, amazing cleaning products if you want to give your house a good scrub. There's such a array, honey, there's our own brown bread and scones and there's lovely bakers, there's two bakers on board with us. So there is a lot of products on board. Yeah, sourdough. If you can find a baker for sourdough, you'll have someone who eats it all the time because that's what we live on. We don't eat any other bread. And we have to, believe it or not, buy our sourdough in Shankill. Okay. Because we can't get anyone in the area to get it. Isn't that right? Well, uh, well, we'll try to convert you next week, Joe. I'll have sourdough in here with neighbour food and we'll be converting you. So you won't have to go to Shag Hill. Yes, it'll be, uh, Hill on it. yeah. It's all about community. Yeah. It's all about buying Irish. It's yeah. all about supporting each other. Yeah. There is there's so much going on in the world at the moment and there's so much doubt. And uh, being honest, I'm speaking to a lot of business owners on a regular basis. They're all frustrated. They're all angry because of what's going on. Because they're looking at the data and they're looking at what's happening as well. So there's a big power play at the moment. But besides that, while that's all going on, we have to support each other. We really do. And I support you 100%. And I know that other people do. And I know it's about the community as well. So for companies out there or for people that out there that had to lock their doors they didn't have cash coming in once those doors were locked Locked. what do you say to them um well it is a very hard time on him and i do really feel um i do feel my heart goes out to people that had to uh, close the doors we're very lucky um you know, uh, as I said earlier, I don't sleep, so my brain sometimes overthinks. I'm all the time thinking of what I, what ifs and buts, and I am I am a very positive person. You just have to stay positive, Indeed, and yeah. you have to, you know. If something is troubling you, go for a walk, get fresh air into your lungs and your head, I said, and walk off that problem if you can that's troubling you in your head. And I know that's much easier said than done, you know. Yes, and there's... I always believe make a decision. By not making a decision, you don't move forward. You need to keep making the decision. Yeah. You might make the wrong decision, but at least you made one to move forward. That's and right. I think that's very important oh, in business very, as well. Yeah. And I also say it, I'm saying it all the time, fear not. Fear is an emotion. It is a, an energy that basically can make us feel ill. And if you can raise your vibration out of that and look at the joy look at the laughter find a higher vibration all that other stuff then won't be as difficult for yourselves that's right as well yeah. you know we we live in a world where we are pumped with fear and negativity all the time 
I think if if you just have that positive feeling, life can be a lot better all oh, the time. Oh, totally, on it. yeah. And we must stay positive uh, all the time if we can. Um, and we have to, you know, uh, you have to find the good in the bad, no matter what uh, life throws at us. And this is such a huge pandemic that has been thrown at us. Um, you know, we, we all have to tweak our lives and um, we have to improve our living. And we're all living in a... In a strange time. It is strange, at, as yeah. I say, for you know, the grace of God, yeah. we'll all get through it. That's we it. And, and, yeah. and to keep the virus away from our houses, that's the biggest yeah. Um, yeah. thing we can do. And yes, keep that away and a lot of other stuff as well. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Halloween is going to be very strange this year. It's probably not going to happen from trick or treating door to door. I know that. Uh, you normally have a great festival here and you have the pumpkins and everyone, the kids come down from the school. That's not going to happen this year. People can still get the pumpkins, still get them, bring them home, carve them up and, and have some sort of parties. Someone said to me, oh, we, they can do everything online. I said, yes, but it's the community. It's the human connection that yeah. our kids, and we can't have to take that away from them as well. Yeah. So hopefully this time next year, uh, we'll have it will be a different story and a different Halloween for everybody as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you do have, um, I see my uh, one of my 16-year-olds decorated the house for the little people, little the children in the in the area, in the community who'll pass by our house and see it. Um, and he felt that that was important to keep the spirit alive, to have a few witches and ghosts and goblins outside the door. So we've done that. So we were selling pumpkins. We grow about 800 pumpkins here. And it's amazing. We put them in our honesty box and we were selling them for a euro or two euros there is a shortage of pumpkins this year in Ireland um, really? a huge shortage we've been selling them away and I think we're down maybe I, I'm lucky if we have about 20 left and so. do you know what you should do as well pumpkin soup oh yes yeah. you know people it's not just for making scary yeah. faces and sticking yeah. candles in them yeah. pumpkin soup with a pepper is lovely as well oh absolutely and you can carve your pumpkin you can save your seeds you can grow them next year or else you can toast them in the um and you can put them on your breads if you make bread or even better you can buy a fresh loaf of bread every morning at the honesty box it, shop that's it on it yeah where can people if people want to look online if they want to sort of reach out to yourselves what's the website that you have um our website is actually um we have a new website and hopefully by this weekend it's going live and um, so it's uh, tinnyhealyfarm.ie is our website um and we have a very good instagram and facebook the farm shop tinnyhealy is our facebook and instagram page so every day during lockdown or monday tuesday and wednesday during lockdown we try to sell something on our facebook or instagram and people just ring the shop then and you know whether it's a vintage tea set to a santi to a hamper and before we go christmas is coming christmas is coming hampers, hampers can be ordered yep. and they can be delivered anywhere in ireland yep that's right yep we're putting an online shop i went on a, on a course wicklow leo Thanks to them, we've got our website. They've helped us with the funding to set up a new website. Oh, brilliant. The online voucher. The, the online voucher, Which yeah. Dunleary Rat Down County Council, Leo, yeah. is a sponsor of this show as well. So yeah. Oh, isn't that great? Yes, yeah. um, so they, we're delighted now. So hopefully this weekend, the website and all our hampers will be on, on board. Our hampers are called after places in the area like Tamafinog, which is quite a hard one to pronounce when it's written down. But if anyone who's into walking, please come down to see Tom of Oak. It's strange you should say that because I was actually just thinking that because 
in the area you know if someone wants to make a trip all the way down here what a beautiful way is to jump on the railway walk in Tinnahili do the walk and then finish up by coming to the the farm shop down yeah. for a coffee and a scone yeah. a sandwich and into the restaurant in a yeah. bite to eat on it yeah Rebecca thanks for coming on to the show great thanks for having me Joe Sometimes I just don't feel like waking up Wanna stay inside my dreams Sometimes I feel like I am breaking up Do you know just how that feels? Hope is for the hopeful It's a dream that Yes, folks, that was a interesting story, rural Ireland. Thank you for the Tinnahealy Farm Shop for telling us all about what they're doing in COVID. As I said, this show is going to be an interesting show today because now we're going to be talking about homeless in pandemic. And then after that, we have a special message coming to you from Robert Kennedy Jr. I want you to listen to that. It's very special. But now I have 
Joe Clancy. Joe Clancy is a builder in Dublin. Um, well, he's outside Dublin in, and he is also helps the homeless in the country and especially who are the forgotten few in a lockdown. Joe, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, good morning to, or good afternoon to all your uh, listeners. To all the listeners, yes. Uh, far, far away. We, we have people picking us up in 100 countries, Joe, believe it or brilliant. not. 100 That's countries. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Joe, tell us, uh, a builder first, uh, how is lockdown working within the building trade, especially with the supply chain stuff coming in and with Brexit arriving around the corner as well? Initially, uh, in March, we could see the writing on the wall how it was going to pan out. So we kind of made preparations to buy in lots of PPE, which was scarce in the ground and uh, quite a high price per unit. So we managed to get our our supplies in uh, relatively early before the panic started. And then, as you know, the first week of uh, April, we we locked down till the third week of May. So lockdown... uh, we weren't able to do anything for the first four weeks. Uh, and then we were able to apply for essential works permits, which meant we could start uh, works uh, uh, at the start of May. So we began that journey and uh, trying to keep everybody safe. We've put in procedures and systems to keep everybody safe and that they're operating at a distance or in low numbers on each of our sites across the city or across the country. And uh, everything is systematic now. We're just, you know, keeping hygiene uh, and safety uh, at top of our agenda every day. So, Has the process it, slowed down dramatically uh, for finishing projects? It has to a degree, but I think we've kind of, I think most contractors have fine-tuned it. Look, it's a lot more cost involved, but uh, again, we're just trying to keep everybody safe keep and our customers safe and give them peace of mind. Uh, but look, when this is all over, which it will uh, be, which it uh, will be, uh, all this, all, all these safety procedures will stay in place. So it can only be a good thing for both our staff and for customers and uh, people that come to us on site, like engineers and whatnot. So uh, look, it, 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 we're, we're taking a positive out of it. Um, uh, certainly, across the industry, it slowed down things in terms of uh, housing completions. Um, you know, I think that the, the trade, we always know how well a country is doing as well with how many cranes are up in an area. Absolutely. Um, and, we, you know, let's, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. On other levels, we're, we're shocked to see, we see this on the Garda website, you know, yeah. the guards calling into shops and getting to close down places that are selling children's clothes. And one of the things which upset me on that level mm. was... You know, not everybody has five euros to pay for postage and package to get a child's jacket delivered to them. An essential item is a, a child's coat in the middle of winter. So there's all these things that are, are quite confusing. But, yeah, but I think I think uh, the message, well, we're not unique in Ireland. I think the message across Europe was badly handled. Uh, it was, uh, I think, it, uh, well, in Ireland, the message was badly handled. It was communicated badly. Then they introduced these uh, levels or grades of systems, which has just ended up being a mess because we're having, you know, bits of one and bits of three mixed together. And so we've level one, we've level two, we're going to level four, and now we're level five, but we've bits of three. It's confusing. 
it's very grey. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. upsetting The amount uh, of people that I speak to through the business community, Joe, is they are they are sad. They are sad. They the, the people that. I had a conversation with someone today and I said, do you know, I felt yesterday that I was going insane. And they said they felt that themselves. And there is the element of it as well. But look, let's let's talk about charity. Sure. Let's talk about the homeless and lockdown. What has lockdown or how has lockdown affected the homeless community in Dublin? Um, I suppose in a variety of ways. Well, A, you can see it visually yourself when you walk the streets of any of the towns or in the country, in the city. There's lots of shops closed. So access to food, water and uh, consumables is much, much less. As you, 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 anybody can physically see that. I was in Bray today and it struck me as the amount of shops closed. Very, very few outlets to actually get foodstuffs uh, if you're homeless or even to buy clothing if you want to buy a hat or socks or underwear. Uh, there's very, very few places open. So that was the first effect. Uh, second effect was uh, there wasn't um, the availability of emergency accommodation. And when there was some, uh, there were strict conditions around it. Uh, and then uh, the, the clients, the rough sleepers out on the, on the streets, felt uncomfortable going into very cramped conditions with COVID in mind. Uh, and also, like, they were worried about going into conditions where there was violence and possibly drug abuse and whatnot. So it was actually, for them, they felt safer out on the streets than they did in emergency accommodation. So I think government uh, have an awful lot of work to do, both nationally and locally, in terms of proper uh, uh, sourced, uh, proper um, emergency accommodation. A quantity of it uh, that meets the requirements, especially coming up to winter now, we're going to have a huge demand on services, which we're still waiting for a clear plan from government. Um, it's uh, it's strange, you know, and yeah. sometimes we forget about this. And you just hit it on the nail in the head. What we take for granted when yeah. you're homeless, you don't have. And that's being able to get run a tap have a glass of water or Correct. go to the fridge yeah. and pick out something yeah. out of the fridge. Yeah. When you're homeless, all you have is yourself and whatever's beside you on the street. Yeah. And a lot of people as well in the homeless community yeah. beg. They do beg, you know, when everyone has the thing that everyone don't give the money because they've got, you know, they buy it on drugs or drink or whatever, but they beg. And even that money alone has stopped because of the flow of traffic that are walking through our streets as well. Correct, correct. I'd always say to people, if you do see these homeless on a street or whatever, um, you'd be surprised, even the centre of Dublin, maybe one girl stuck in my mind, uh, it must be four years, three years ago, and she was on Cable Street, and she was sitting outside an ATM uh, at AIB on Cable Street, and... um, People were stepping over to get money out of the machine, and um, I just knelt down and got chatting to her. She's a lovely blonde girl, 20 years of age. She was four months pregnant when I was chatting to her. I said, when was the last time you've eaten? She said, I haven't eaten anything in two days. I said, have you not seen any of the ch- charities now? She says, nobody's come near me in two days. She's sitting on Cable Street in the centre of the city. So I would say to everybody, go into your nearest shop and buy them coffee or water or tea and a sandwich and a bar of chocolate. And give them food because you know they need food. They're not they're not eating. That's the main thing. Food and shelter. 
food and food shelter, shelter are, are yeah. our basic yeah. needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you give someone, you know, food and have shelter for them, and even if getting someone into a location, mm. you know, my brother was, I'd, one of my brothers was homeless for for a period of time, yeah. and then he got into the, it was the shelter in Dunleary, and then from there he went and got a bedsit, and then from there he got in, in a, an apartment, and unfortunately, you know, when he had his apartment, he was full of joy and happiness. And then at 50, he died of cancer. Yeah. And but he the stories that he would tell about the people and the, the, the you know, we, you could call them the old rogues on the street and yeah. the stories that I had yeah. normal people that just yeah. got caught up with alcohol or got a caught, you know, guys that lost their jobs. Yeah. Or you know, one, I remember there was one guy lost his job, couldn't afford his house, was living out of his car, and was basically waiting for a petrol station to open up so he could wash and get some yeah. water. Yeah, there is the reality of the country, and we are we say we are saints and scholars. Do we give more charity? outside the country because oh the Irish are great they give the best you know they're the ones for size of population give the most money but do we give it abroad as much as we give it at home and are we begrudgers to our own as well I think well because right, I'm doing this first hand both uh, here and abroad with Haiti and in Africa now so um answer your question i think we're quite generous at home and we're quite generous abroad but i think for some people they say oh, look, i could never do that so look i just make a donation so they've kind of you know they've washed their hands of it i think you know people say to me i oh, know i'm just uh, i've only a certain wage and i couldn't do that i said of course you can you can be charitable to your brother and sister out on the street by doing simple things and it doesn't cost much money or i say to people if you're going to the supermarket and you're spending 100 euro or 200 euro in your weekly shop why don't you st- stick in an extra 10 euros worth of material foodstuffs for the homeless yeah, yeah. and drop them to your local charities that's like you're not going you know you're, you're not going to the shops now you're not going to the pub you know we're, 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 a lot of us you know we've saved a bit of money over this period because you can't spend your money there's no, no. Way to spend it no it's all your you know it's either work home shop that's it that's all we're doing joe thank you people quickly you know? quickly if someone wants to help the homeless in Dublin, I want to reach out to you and give sure. you supplies or give you whatever they can. Where can they get them, Joe? Where can they get okay. you? Okay, the website is www.ichh.ie. That's Inner City Housing Homeless. So that's ichh.ie. And their number is 01 Again, it can be our, our homeless uh, charity or it can be any homeless charity uh, in any of the cities around the country. Uh, um, uh, the, the basic things they're looking for uh, in terms of materials is sleeping bags, socks, hats, clothes, um, ground sheets. In terms of foodstuffs, I would say to people, pasta, pasta sauce, cereal, sugar, that, yeah. Protein it's and carbs, carbs, carbs. Correct. correct yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe, for that. No problem, Joe. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. Yes, folks, that was Joe Clancy telling us about the homeless in Dublin during lockdown. 
And as he said, remember, if you see someone in the street, some people haven't eaten. Some people don't take, can't go and just walk to the fridge and take out some food or, or go to the tap and get a drink of water. Be mindful and, and help these people. We're coming to the end of the show. Another super week. I just walked around Dundrum Shopping Centre here today and everything is closed. And it was, I actually said to one of the security guards, how depressing is this? And they just smiled and nodded their head. It feels that we are, we are lost. And I asked you about this word. I'm going to say the word joy. I'm going to say the word happy. Laughter. When I say these words to you, what emotion do you feel? What memories do these words remind you of? Because I feel at the moment, all these have been taken away from us. It's work, work, work. And you know, work makes Jack a dull boy. We need to laugh. We need to have joy. We need to have fun. We need to lift our vibration to be better people because that's what we do not have in this world at the moment. And on that note, I'm going to ask you to listen to this speech which was given by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert Kennedy and the nephew of former President John F. K., all Irish-related. With that note, I wish you a blessed, wonderful, wonderful weekend. Take care and smile. Turn on some music and dance the night away. Because if you do, you'll be feeling happier after it. Take care. God bless. Hey everybody, it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. here, and I cannot tell you how happy I am to be able to have this opportunity to talk to thousands of citizens in 15 countries on all the continents in the world who have come together today to protest this coup d'etat by big data, by big telecom, by big tech, by the big oil and chemical companies, and by the, this global public health cartel led by Bill Gates and the WHO that now amounts to $2 trillion and wants to magnify and amplify its wealth and its power over our lives, over our liberties, that wants to subvert our democracies, that want to destroy our sovereignty and our control over our lives and our children's health. And I want to remind you, those of you who are not Americans, of something that every American child learns when we're growing up in this country about our history. During the Great Depression, Franklin Roosevelt, who was one of the greatest presidents in American history, said to the American people, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. And we grow up hearing that, but people don't really understand what it means. But it was a very, very profound warning by Roosevelt, because he saw what the Great Depression was doing in Eastern Europe, in Italy, in Germany, in Spain, 
where that crisis was turning people towards fascism. In the Eastern countries where the same crisis was turning citizens and governments towards communism and also causing the collapse of governments all over the world. And in our country, in the United States, it's hard for people to remember today that, that almost a third of the people in our country were completely disillusioned with capitalism and wanted to turn to communism. And another third wanted to turn to fascism. And Franklin Roosevelt wanted to preserve our country for democracy, for free market capitalism, for civil rights, and to preserve our constitution. And he recognized that the weapon of authoritarian control was going to be fear. And when I spoke a few weeks ago in Berlin, I reminded the people of Germany of a very famous story that happened during the Nuremberg trials after World War II, when Hitler's closest lieutenant, the head of the Luftwaffe, Hermann Goering, was asked by one of the prosecutors, how did you get the German people? The German people are the most educated people in the world. They were some of the most tolerant people in the world. The Weimar Republic was one of the strongest democracies in the world. How did you take these people who were so well-educated and so awakened and so tolerant and turn them into obedient slaves who did committed some of the worst atrocities in human history. And Goering said, oh, that's a simple thing. And any of you can look up his quote, and I urge you to do so. And he said, and it works not just in a fascist government, but it works in a democracy, in a monarchy, in a communist government, in any government that you want. The job of the government is to put the people in fear. And, it, and if you can keep them in fear, you can get them to do anything that you want them to do, that they will turn into sheep. And there's a famous book by Naomi Klein that all of us should read called Disaster Capitalism. And that book shows it's a historical chronology of all of the times during American history and the history of the world during the Great Depression during the financial collapse in 2008, during the financial collapse in Chile, for example, in 1973, during the time of the World Trade Center bombing, that authoritarian elements in a society and large corporations and wealthy plutocrats and oligarchs, wealthy families and individuals, use crises to shift wealth upward to obliterate the middle classes of those countries and to clamp down totalitarian controls. And of course, it's an obvious thing that people who are used to voting for their governments are not going to vote for policies that make the rich people richer, that give corporations even more power over their lives, that reduce democracy and reduce civil rights. These are not good vessels for populism in order to transform the government so that it will reward the rich with even more wealth. The people who want to do that, the large corporations who want to orchestrate that kind of change, 
have to get rid of the civil rights. And the first civil right that they begin with is freedom of speech. They need to clamp down censorship because censorship is the most important right. In our country, we put it number one, the First Amendment of the Constitution, because all the other rights depend on it. If a government can hide what it's doing, it can get away with anything it wants. If a corporation can lie to you and conceal information, if there's no transparency in a democracy, you do not have a democracy. Oh, if you want to get rid of all the other rights, like freedom of assembly, which you are exercising today, some of you are exercising a great threat. Some of you will suffer. Some of you will be jailed. Some of you will suffer injuries. But that is a basic right. The right to freedom of expression, the right to, to jury trial, the right to freedom of religion, the right to privacy, the right to have governments that don't spy on you and keep your information. All of those other rights can only be subverted if they begin by imposing censorship, by being able to silence people who want to speak. So the coup d'etat that we are all fighting today is a coup d'etat that starts with a conspiracy between the government agencies and the big technology companies, the Silicon Valley billionaires, people like Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and the people who run Google and Facebook and Pinterest and all of these other Silicon Valley corporations who are now in this conspiracy to make sure that we cannot talk about our grievances. We cannot say bad things about pharmaceutical products. We cannot question government policies that make no sense to us. You are on the front lines of the most important battle in history, and it is the battle to save democracy and freedom and human liberty and human dignity from this totalitarian cartel that is trying to rob us simultaneously in every nation in the world of the rights that every human being is born with. So thank you for your courage, thank you for your commitment, and thank you for your brotherhood. And I can pledge to you that I will go down dying with my boots on, fighting side by side with all of you to make sure that we return these rights and preserve them for our children. And I will see all of you on the barricades. Thank you. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen.